I said to the guides, please don't let, please don't make me tell this guy that I talk to the angels and they talk back. He is a work friend. I am in financial services. I have testified before the United States Senate. Credibility is my word. So Catherine Mulligan, I just want to say again that I'm so excited that you said yes and that you're here. And um, so as I light this Palo Santo, I'd love for you to share the cards. Yes, Zoe, thank you for having me. I'm really grateful to be here. So I did pull some cards to see who would guide us today. I'm using uh, Megan Watterson's Divine Feminine Oracle. It's a really nice deck. And I got some great ones. So Joan of Arc, she was a teenager in the 1400s in France when the Archangel Michael came to her and said, you are going to lead the French in victory in the Hundred Years' War. And she was a teenager. She didn't know anything about combat, needless to say. And she did lead the, them to victory and was... Um, subsequently put on trial for dressing like a man, which is what she was actually put to death for. She was subsequently retried and exonerated and was then made a saint in, I forget when, the 1920s, I think. But anyway, she was followed her true vision and her guidance from spirit without wavering. And if you read any of the excerpts from her trial, She's so, so clear. So that's Joan of Arc. Number two, we have Mirabai, the saint of true freedom. So she is an Indian poet who considered uh, Krishna to be her true husband. And this says, um, I am married to my own soul. So the message of Mirabai is all about following your truth to liberation and being really clear about the guidance of your soul. I mean, so, so thank you to, to all who are gathered here today for collective liberation. That's right. That's right. And so listeners, you can already tell this is going to be a different interview than the ones we have done before. And I just want to start with just a centering in on those two figures that came through, those two energies that came through to guide this conversation and maybe to guide the collective. So let's just take a deep breath in. and exhale out and just affirm that faith and liberation, you know, affirm that for ourselves and for the collectives. I need those messages all the time. So today we have Catherine Mulligan from Druid Rising and the purpose for this podcast, the Magic Hours podcast, I guess I should say welcome to the podcast. Hey, folks, yes. from the Magic Hours welcome podcast. The Magic <laughs> we just got so into it that I didn't even say the hello. So, so, but we are here. We are here. And so, folks, I am Zoe Flowers, your host of this podcast. My pronouns are she and her. And I am calling in from Connecticut. And we always like to give a land acknowledgement. So this is the original land of the Podunk, the Pequonic, the Narragansett, and many, many, many more people. And Catherine, I don't think you're too far from me. Uh, where are you and what are your pronouns? If you can do that. And Thank you. I'm so yeah. happy to be here. My pronouns are she and her. Thanks for asking. And after the better part of 20 years in New York City, home of uh, the Lenape people, I moved to current day New Hampshire, home of the Abenaki. Yep, so I'm in modern day Seacoast, New Hampshire. But I grew up in central Connecticut, so I'm covering all of our northeast bases here. Okay. I legit have goosebumps because I don't know if you know that I live in Brooklyn. No. Yeah, I so I... Yeah, so, because, okay, folks, because we only know each other, we've met on Instagram. Catherine has an amazing... It's a modern relationship. It is. <laughs> it 
can't, I can't. So Catherine has a great channel, Druid Rising, which she's going to talk about and what she does on it. And so I, my sister, actually, Sophia was the one that was like, hey, there's this reader and our friend Lisa, like, yeah, they were like, go on this lady's channel. So I've been listening ever since. But yeah, I grew up in Connecticut, in South Windsor, Connecticut. I'm from Girl, stop. That's where Sophia grew up. And Lisa, do you know that? Do you? No, but Carrie McNamara Hoffman is, I've known her since she was born. Her parents are my parents' best friends. Spirit will find a way to connect. I have so many goosebumps right now. Oh my God. Yeah. So I grew up in South Windsor and then I moved, I left it in my twenties and lived in all these different places. And now I live in New York city. So we just have been. It's just divine timing that we're here together. Oh my God. Yeah, so I, I lived in Boston for many years. Actually, okay. And I moved to New York city and uh, was there through the beginning days of the pandemic all i lived on the upper west side all oh. 2020 and then through most, half of 2021 and then in august uh came up here oh my gosh so we were there at the same time hunkered down wow so what happened was in the beginning of the pandemic um i came here to my mom's in February because I had started watching coverage and things like that in January and my friends and I were all artists so we were like oh it's not gonna be that bad it'll be fine so I was like I'll just pack up my stuff and I'll just be at my mom's until April the latest and but but at first I wasn't gonna leave and then I started actually seeing the virus go through the city and that's when I was like oh wait a minute maybe I need to yeah, yeah so that's when I decided to come here and be yeah. with my mom so i just go back and forth now but yeah i was here until until august of uh 2020 so when you left that's like when i started venturing back into the city yeah so we moved in in 2021 okay um, yeah it was a very intense time and um yeah yeah so let's do a formal introduction we've already shared so much information um but why don't you talk a little bit about who you are and what druid rising is sure yeah so um i did grow up in central connecticut but um i'm the daughter of irish immigrants so you know you'll we can talk about why my my uh business is called druid rising okay great so, daughter of Irish immigrants, um, I have spent 25 years in the financial services industry, and I still work in that corporate job. I've done all kinds of things, including a lot of work in Washington as a liaison to um, public affairs in my, in my particular field. But the thing is, is that I was always a spiritual seeker. Um, from my earliest ages, I mean, I can I can remember past lives, um, lots of lives as priests and nuns and monks and other religious. And then I think that spirit sent me to New York City, like, okay, we're going to do some field work in this lifetime. So, you know, because um, I was a spiritual seeker, and so my work formally under Druid Rising is as a psychic intuitive. Um, I've always known that I was intuitive. We can talk about how that evolved. I've been doing the work with other people for about 10 years, um, but a big part of my evolution has been getting the courage to integrate that fully into my life, including talking about it in a public way. So what was much more of a word of mouth um, endeavor is now something that you know I am what I am so here I am on the interwebs talking about you know I talk to the angels and they talk back um, and and we don't know who will come in today I already can feel Robert so Sophia's brother comes through a lot and he's 
he's a real smarty pants, so he might, he might come in with some comments just so so people are aware. He wants everyone to know how handsome he is, he just said. So, okay. We acknowledge your charm and handsomeness. So, thank you, Robert. Yeah, we, we grew up together in Squire Village. And... It's right around the corner. Yeah, that's where we... That's, I mean, I didn't, but that's where Sophia... Yeah. That's where they grew up. And... um. Yeah, he was a hand, you know, he was a lot of fun. He was very handsome. He was a Taurus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he was, he was a fun, a very fun person. So um, it's so interesting that he comes through so often. Yeah. Yeah. He's got very clear guidance for us, um, particularly around living with joy. So I connect with people on the other side. I connect with angels, archangels, uh, ascended masters, and, um, my particular area of specialty is I, my soul light is designed to shine in the darkest places. So I kind of consider myself an alchemist of the dark. Um, I somehow found myself standing at the corner of light and dark. So when people are going through really gnarly transitions, my work tends to find me there. Um, I once had a friend ask me, she said, boy, you just know so many people who have died. That's, that's unusual. And I thought, I didn't think it was unusual until somebody else validated that. And, you know, so I find myself at the places of death, whether it's physical death or all the little kind of deaths that we experience in this life. Um, the other thing was, I, Zoe, I, I really resonate with your personal story because I've come up through a lot of trauma, a lot of big T and little T traumas um, and various abuses. So um, it's, it's, it sort of is a superpower, right, when you, when you have that because it's like if somebody says, well, this happened to me, most of the time I'm like, yeah, well, me too. <laughs> but... Um, I just, I find myself, it's, it's a really, it's a really interesting time to be able to engage with healing the lower astral and healing trauma because that's what's happening on the plane right now. So with Druid Rising, it's, it's readings and healing work, but it's, the people who tend to find me tend to be at those places of like, what am I doing with my life? Or I've had a big loss or a big health journey or a big trauma. It just, that tends to be my, my specialty. Yeah. Of, of change and of dark and of suffering. I really have a big capacity to hold space for that. Yeah, I love that. They're quite similar. Um, people who come to me, they're it's never like, oh, I'm going on a vacation, and where, it, you know, where should I go, or who should I date? It's like never that. It's always, exactly. it's always like the heaviest of the heaviest of the heaviest. Um, so I have so many questions. So my first one is about the druids. Um, tell us more yeah. for people who might not be aware. So the Druids were a class of people, um, Celts, uh, from, the, from the Celts, who date back at least 25,000 years. Um, there are still Druids in the world. I am not an ordained Druid, um, but I have many lifetimes, including this one, where I draw from the Celtic tradition. So in this lifetime, like I say, my parents are from Ireland. Um, but I have many lifetimes, particularly in France. Um, I, I don't know why I'm supposed to tell you this, but I can remember coming home from Newark Airport one time, and you know when you're coming out of the Lincoln Tunnel and you come around and you can see Manhattan? Mm -hmm. And I was looking down at my phone, and out of the corner of my eye, I saw the Freedom Tower. Mm -hmm. I, it flashed as the um, Eiffel Tower. And my whole body said, oh, thank God, I'm finally home, meaning Paris. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I looked up, and it took me a minute to be like, oh, wait, I'm in New York. I'm home. So, that's not so I have a lot of lifetimes in Paris, in, in France, through the Magdalene tradition. But anyway, um, also around Prague. Um, so the, the Druids, they had kind of groups of people who specialized in things like stories and songs 
there were the teachers, philosophers, judges, and then there were the healers and seers. And so that's kind of my group there. Um, the way my work is reflective of what's important to the Druids is that they have um, three sort of pillars or rays of what's important to them. Um, the nature ray, the devotion ray, and the knowledge ray. So mm. the ray, is, it looks like a sun, so it's got three rays coming down. Um, so I, I really pull from all of those things and really resonate with them. So hence Druid Rising. Mm, I love that. And so how has this transition gone from mainly word of mouth to broadcasting via social media? How has that been for you um, energetically? How does that feel? Yeah, well, I think it was it was the right time and I was finally ready. So the, the backstory on that really has to do with a, a friend of mine called Toby Merrill. So I was working away in corporate America and I knew this guy through work. He was a, he worked for a competitor, but we were friendly and um, he got sick. And I said, I, I offered to send him some Reiki, which is a Japanese healing art, healing energy. And I said, look, it really can help with anxiety and pain when you're in treatment. And he wasn't interested and that was fine. And then, I don't know, about a year later, Spirit said, text Toby. And that day I did, and he said, oh, funny, you should text me today because unfortunately the cancer's back and I'm starting treatment again today. And I said, well, okay, you know, look, my offer still stands. And this time he took me up on it. So I remember where I was when we coordinated. I was in a hotel room in LA and he was home in Philadelphia and I, silly me, thought that I would just send the energy and that was like a straight energetic report. Like I was gonna play it straight, you know, not show any of myself. And of course I got all this psychic content for him, intuitive content for him. And I said to the guides, please don't let, please don't make me tell this guy that I talk to the angels and they talk back. He is a work friend. I am in financial services. I testified before the United States Senate. Credibility is my word. Right? Oh my gosh. And they said, this man is dying and it's all about you. And I said, oh, shit. And I said, okay, I will do this, but you have to show oh my me. Gosh. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust you that you've got my back. Okay. So I sent him the text with all of the information. Like, I have something to tell you. Okay. <laughs> I talk to the angels and they talk back. Oh, my yeah. God. And you know when somebody's texting me back and it's like dot, 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 dot. And I'm waiting and I'm going. <laughs> but he responded. Okay. So his openness to this information was transformative to both of us. And we worked together for many, many months. Okay. The last time we connected, I saw him six days before he died. And um, I know from the feedback that he gave me that it was transformative to him. But it was really for me because I felt like the way it feels is to be completely empowered, like power coming up, but ego falling away. Like everything, it just focuses in on in this case on him and all of this other trappings of my third dimensional life didn't matter yeah and so since that happened a few years ago um now i really just i follow spirit so if somebody whether it's at work or otherwise comes to me i'm i'm open about it so i think by the time and, and moving was another big transition for me, you know, because I was like Zsa Zsa Gabor, like, darling, I love you, but give me Park Avenue. I mean, I knew yeah. that I was in Manhattan. Yeah, know? yeah, but yeah. Spirits got plans. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, yeah, I'm going to have to get a reading <laughs> because... <laughs> So anybody listening, sign up, get your reading, Druid Rising. They'll start, they'll start lining up. 
right? Um, the spirits will start lining up once they oh. know. Oh, for real? Uh-oh. <laughs> you, know, so. you know, and I had this guy one time, he called me, this was a scream, this guy that I used to work with, and my phone rang. I didn't know him all that well. Yeah. And he said, well, you know what, here's what's going on in my life. My life is really falling apart. And he said, I don't know why, but I keep hearing call Catherine Mulligan. And I said, well, I know why. And I told him, he didn't know this about me. You know, we were work friends. And he says, you know, I always knew there was something off about you. Well, he's from Long Island. So he said, I always knew there yeah. was something off about you. Yeah. Like, well, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I um, I have a question about channeling, but before that, I want to talk about this uh, this move because, like you, I was like, oh, I'm never, I've I've only ever wanted to live in New York. Why would I ever leave? And now, of course, I'm like looking at places upstate and those things. So spirit definitely, yeah. There's something about that piece. So what have you found, sort of leaving the city and being surrounded by more nature? How has that impacted your or spiritual yeah. practice, maybe for other people who are listening to this, who are struggling with this same thing, because it's a struggle, at least for it's me. A struggle. So yeah. I will say that um, my my soul level work in New York City was very much focused on healing at Ground Zero. Um, so funny enough, I worked in the same building next to Ground Zero for many many years 10 years more than that even changed companies and i moved to a different office and a few months later they said oh we're going back to that original building <laughs> so like oh my gosh there was um that was a lot of my work was around portals and clearing um in manhattan wow. so that was that and then when the pandemic started it was really very intense in New York City, and um, I I knew my life there was over. Not that the, the city wouldn't come come back or anything like that. Right. I just knew like, that chapter was closing, so I grieved that. Yeah. And then what I did, we actually um, came up to my parents have a place on the North Shore of Massachusetts, so I was there closer to nature, um, you know, and actually had a coyote that would come to visit most nights. So a coyote is a harbinger of change. Um, and I was praying a lot about where to go and wailing and hushing my teeth. And spirit was saying, Portsmouth. And then I would say, but where should I go? Portsmouth. But where should I go? Portsmouth, still Portsmouth. I don't know. What do you want what do you want to say? Portsmouth. And then finally we we drove up here. People do this to me all the time. I, I know, know, I know, I know. You want I know. more signs. I'm like, how many it's signs? True. It's true. Like you actually can hear them saying the words. I know. Yeah. Anyway, so we come up here and, and my partner said, um, I love it here. I feel like we should move to Portsmouth. And then after that, it just went like somebody overheard us having the conversation and yeah. he said, my wife here is a real estate broker. Yeah. We connect with her. We find the perfect place. It closes in a month. Maybe. Yeah. But now here in nature, I can't even tell you. So my nervous system is regulated for the first time literally in my life. Um, this morning I saw two hawks outside, two little cardinals were chatting away right there. Um, it just, it soothes me. Mm. And, um, you know, look, I, I people ask me, to, do you miss New York? And sure, I mean, my life was there for a really long time. Yeah. Um, but because I think, you know, I took the time to go through that process, it made it made a big difference. Um, yeah. Thank you for that. And on this question of channeling and the spirits coming through, like you were saying, you thought that the spirits were lining up. So I know for me, I had to create this practice of when I was seeing people in my house, when the candles lit, the door is open. Once I blow out the candle, that's it. Because I had an experience where I'm in the shower, somebody's Haitian grandmother shows up in the shower and freaked me out because it just was like, 
So I was like, yeah, this is too, right? This is too much. We need to, we need some parameters around this thing. So, um, so do you put any boundaries around the spirits coming in? Or what do you think about that? Do you even think that's possible? I guess that's my question. What do you think about? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think that one of the misconceptions is that, you know, we don't somehow have control or responsibility over our energetic field. And, like, there are energy fields. So, you know, no one can come in or take our energy without our permission. So I'm a very, I'm a stickler for energetic hygiene. So grounding, clearing, and protecting. Um, Particularly because I do encounter the lower astral in my work. Um, I work in highly protected spaces. Um, But it also is a practice. So I once had an intuitive teacher who said, like, you have to fall into energetic potholes you know, like you have to, you have to sometimes have interactions so that you remember to put your, um, put your shields up. Yeah. I mean, so now, now I don't have to be too ritualistic about it mm-hmm. because it's pretty integrated. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but like one time. I have a, a friend whose husband is on on the other side, and he was kind of, you know, knocking at my tapping at my window, so to speak. And uh, I said, "Okay, look, I'm I'm busy right now, but I can I can tune in at this time later today." And he said, "Okay." So then I came in at that time, and I sat down, and I said, "Okay, so what's going on?" And he said, "Get a pen. <laughs> I've got things to say." Oh, okay. Oh, oh, my gosh! Oh my gosh! So, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think I think the main thing is taking responsibility for our own energy field and just knowing kind of who's allowed in and who's not. So, um, yeah, and, and they're going to be very responsive if we say, yeah. you're going to have to back up a little bit here. Or, yeah. Like, I'm busy. I gotta go to work. I once had a spirit come in while I was doing somebody's performance review. Okay. No. And I was like, okay, this is not your time. Yeah. Excuse me one second. Um, you have to go. Yeah. 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 It because it can be very um, at least for me, it, it, back you know when the little things would happen, it was very um, not intrusive. But a little scary. Yeah, it's a like, little distracting. Or yeah. 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 And we exist in sort of this Western mentality. Yeah. So I know for me, so often I was like, are you really telling me where this parking space is? Are you really, like, is this real? Am I losing my mind? So what did, what was your process around since we had Joan of Arc who, like, followed faith yeah. totally? What's, yeah. what's your path yeah. been? for following. I love this quote from Rumi. So Rumi said, doubt is the precipice on the way to God. And so I think that doubt is actually a really essential part of the of the practice mm-hmm. of intuitively. So first of all, everyone is intuitive. It's just a radio channel. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. If you haven't, you know, practiced tuning in, you just need a little bit of practice doing that. Um, and doubt is actually part of it because, so I'll give you, I love this example. So this girlfriend of mine was sort of walking down the street one day and for some reason she was thinking about spirit animals and saying, I wonder if I have a spirit animal. And the the idea of wolf pops into her mind, but she thinks, oh, I'm just, that's my imagination. I'm making it up. But she said to spirit, may I have a confirmation? And just then, a bus turned the corner right in front of her, and on the side of it was this big wolf that was painted. And so then, of course, she says, well, that must be a coincidence. I have another confirmation. And a guy drives by in a truck, and he leans out the window and shouts at her, wolf! Stop it. So, like, we have then, when we're in doubt, we have the opportunity to check ask we can say to spirit can you turn up the volume can you say that another way 
and the other piece of advice I always give people is if something comes in, just say thank you. Even if, as your ego is going, you're making this up, you're crazy, this is silly, you know, blah, 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 blah. Like your ego is going to do that and that's fine. Say thank you anyway, because then spirit and your guides know this is a good channel yeah. for her. Yeah. So we're going we're gonna to come in on this, this line. Right? Yeah, yeah. That. So it strengthens that connection and opens it up more. So I think doubt is actually really really important and then and talking to like-minded people uh -huh. who are um supportive and that you can practice with that's another really essential essential practice i think mm -hmm. yeah i agree with you i went to this um there's this author paul selig um he yeah, wrote yeah the book yeah. of love and creation and so he used to have these seminars in manhattan yeah. and so i went to a couple we were at the same one oh my gosh if we were i i literally the goosebumps i the goosebumps so uh we probably were and um i don't even know how i heard of him i don't even know anyway i just went to the one he had and at that time i was because i had just gotten my reiki too and so you know the, the the messages and everything was becoming more heightened with that with that reiki too and so i asked him that question about how do you know if it's real or if it's not and and he said the same thing about the radio. He said it's it's a frequency, and you you tune into the radio station that fits, you know, your feeling that you are in alignment with. Absolutely, and and the message that comes in from spirit mm -hmm. just sounds and feels nicer. It always yes. in your body, like yeah, my body relaxes and opens when yeah. it comes in. Whereas if it's my brain, yes, we're judgy. Yes, <laughs> and, you know, just sort of harsh. So even if the message, I'm trying to think of an example. Um, you know, spirit is all about accountability and responsibility. <laughs> so um, when some of those kind of messages come in, mm -hmm. when it comes from spirit. So like one that's been coming in a lot lately, particularly since the war in Ukraine started, um, is about living in joy. Mm -hmm. And if it came from a person, it would mm -hmm. sound really spiritually bypassy. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. oh, just be in joy while yeah. like, you know, this violence is happening. Yeah. Whereas when it comes from spirit, it, mm -hmm. it comes with a feeling of accountability. Like if you don't make your heart joyful, how are you going to be a peacemaker in the world? Mm -hmm, how are mm -hmm. you going to take action that's in right to take right action in the world if your heart isn't right? Mm -hmm. So if, you know what I mean? It's, I do. It's, with a, it's just a much, I don't know, it's a higher vibe. It's a better feeling. That's yeah. It's real. Yeah, absolutely. I, that's so true. That's so true. Um, that makes me think about our collective consciousness and how we're all contributing to the collective consciousness that's happening. And so what you're saying is very resonant to me about that piece. Like we're all contributing to what's happening. So we have a role to play in that focusing on joy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And being okay with and this is something i've been definitely dealing with being okay being as joyful as i can despite what's happening in the world right because yeah. two things can be you know true at once and for me as somebody who works in domestic violence work that type of thing is kind of challenging to people this like which is something I'm trying to bring into that, into the movement more. It's Absolutely. like, it's okay to be joyful. In fact, it's important for us to be joyful as advocates, et cetera. Yeah, I, I love that. And thank you for the work that you do there. So, I mean, 
So something that came in, I do this um, daily prayer session live on um, Instagram on weekdays. And so we get all kinds of content that comes in. And so last week, um, White Buffalo Calf Woman came in. So White Buffalo Calf Woman is an ascended master um, from the Sioux tradition. And she gifted the Sioux people with a, a bundle that is a, um, a pipe that symbolized the, how humans are the connections between heaven and earth. And her message is to make your life a living prayer. prayer. Um, and to make every step a living prayer. Um, and and the keeper of the bundle is, he's uh, Chief Arvo looking horse. Um, he's 19th generation, keeps the, the bundle. So this prophecy and tradition is very much alive in the world. But anyway, she came through the other day and she was doing, so if you can picture a Native American dance, right, and her feet were touching the ground lightly like this, and with every footfall, it was like a, a spring of light kind of bounced from her feet. And she said, if you're doing this dance, right, your vibe starts going back and forth and in rhythm with spirit so that the person next to you kind of can't help but get into that same flow. So make, she says, make every footfall sacred. So wherever your feet land, make it sacred. Um, and so I think that's a great example of finding the joy because then how, how can I reach out my hand to help you in a meaningful way if I'm turned inward and I'm depleted and full of fear? I won't have that courage. I just, I just had Joan of Arc kind of come riding in, but you know, she rode in. She had, she didn't carry a weapon. She carried this banner uh, into battle. Um, so how can I be clear unless I've cleared myself first? Yeah, absolutely. So it's not. So it's not about love and light or thoughts and prayers. I'm through, Catherine. Now it's like first, first thoughts and prayers to get to love and light, so that you can take action. You know. Yeah, there's that piece too, right? The take action in the world. Yeah, there's yeah, there there's that that that's part of it too, and you know when we look to our leaders, when I look to our spiritual leaders, you know that is the thing that. I look to the most is their action in the world. They weren't just like off separate from the people, quote unquote, they were in there with them. And so I think that's, I think that's important as well. Um, <clears throat> so let's, I, I want to pull a card for us from my new ancestor deck that I got last night because I feel like it's appropriate. But before I do that, no, do it now. Okay. So, yeah, they're like, no. Uh, so I'm going to do it for us. And uh, let's see. This is a great, great deck. Um, yeah, it's very directive. <clears throat> and I don't have any decks that are like directive in this way. So this is a beautiful addition. So what do you have for us? What do you have for us? Wow. Well... Hmm. So we have have courage, strength, fearlessness, warrior. There we go. So it's all it's all with the same. Yeah. Three three cards actually came out. So the second one is enjoy music. Oh my gosh. Have courage, enjoy music, and then your folks showing up. Yeah. I can't see it. I know. It's so weird how, do they not want to be seen? Like, you see how easily these were? And then this one's like, yeah, no, don't show us. I'm going to take a picture of it and text it to you. Crowded in mystery. That is, okay. So it says earth magic, nature, ritual, charms. So I'm going to read it since they don't want to be on camera. They're like, no, no photos, please. 
That's how the elementals can be very shy. Right? About showing up. Oh my gosh, that... It's real, people. Okay. It says, during the early Anglo-Saxon period, people were not able to read or write, so their history and knowledge were passed on through storytelling. They believed in supernatural creatures such as elves, dragons, and invisible lines of power that ran through everything on Earth. Spirit lived in the trees, rocks, mountains, rivers, lakes, oceans, and ponds. In accord with these beliefs, the Anglo-Saxons used charms, symbols, talismans, herbal potions, precious stones, crystals, chants, and spells to protect them. People visited soothsayers, wise women, and cunning men for healing, predictions, potions, spells, and magical items. Cunning folk were highly respected and valued healers in their community. Yes. So this says, take a look at your everyday rituals and charms. Find ways of bringing some magic into your daily routine. Watch the sunrise or dip your toes in the ocean and invite the wonder and healing of nature into your world. Incorporate ritual into your spiritual practices. Herbs, crystals, or natural remedies may hold an answer for, to you, for you. And then it says learn more about earth and water spirits and how you can connect with their energy and your environment. And so for me, this feels very much like having courage and enjoying life is a way to and they still won't show up enjoy the earth and that's a form of magic the fairies are like you're not going to show us i love it and the tree is like the tree it's the tree with the man in it and then the elves i cannot i mean i can believe it but wow I know. Well, people sometimes say that to me, like, you get surprised for every time. All the time. Paul Selig says it. He says, I'm as much a student of the work as, as anybody. And I, I feel that way all the time. I'm always like, oh. you know, it's funny because like with Sophia and Robert, um, one day in prayers, um, I said, Sophia, why is he showing me roller skates? And this is one of those moments where I'm thinking, like, I'm making this up. This is just a weird thing coming into my head. Yeah. Roller skates. And she said, oh, no, my cousin and I are actually thinking about joining a roller skating club or something like that. Oh, my gosh. This is why he wants me to talk about this. Because he's saying, find the joy, find the fun. And so when something comes in for one person, it's relevant for all of us. And so he's just using that as a good example of, of both trusting what you're getting and having fun. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And you know, we used to, I know you used to go roller skating at Vernon, Catherine. You know I did. And Skate Fantasy in Manchester. In Manchester, okay. <laughs> Yeah, so lessons there. Yes, I did shoot the duck. Was it Ronna Roll in Vernon? Ronna Roll was in Vernon, and State Fantasy was the one in Manchester. We had two, everybody. If you know, you know. I love it. <laughs> I just did this thing the other day on Instagram. There's listening to the guide said the other day. Play the corniest song you can think of as loud as you can and sing it in a super melodramatic way. That that was a way to kind of bring your uh -huh. energy. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. And so I was I was listening to the Footloose soundtrack. Oh my god! My yes. And I, you know that Denise Williams song? Let's hear it for the boys. Yes. So I posted like, you know, do you remember the '80s? Yes, or you're old. And so one young person was like, you're old. Okay, one day you're gonna have your version of Denise Williams and That's right. We were great. That's right. That's right. We are seasoned. We are not old. Thank you very much. We're not quite crones, but not yeah. So that was another way of um, kind of bringing in joy with the music there. Yeah, yeah. I uh, music is like for me. It's a. It's a. My mother said the other day. She was like, "Why didn't you go into music? You have such a nice voice." Which I don't. But thank you, mom. And and she's like, and you know every song. I'm like, yes. 
I know every song. Music is like my thing. Because you're raising the vibration no matter what. That's right. That's right. That's right. Enjoy the music. Enjoy the music. I love it. So what is the best thing? I was thinking about this. I want to hear from you. What's the best thing about being a reader, like doing readings for people? It's that feeling that I was describing of when I worked with Toby, where I feel like when I feel spirit come in so strongly that I know what they need in that moment. Mm. And it's really focused and I fall away somehow. Mm. Do you any oh. kind of yeah, like any kind of, you know, concerns that I have or anything mm -hmm. for me just kind of goes away. And I I feel profound gratitude to be in these heart spaces with people who have experienced great loss, um, who are, you know, doing their heavy soul work. And to it's, I feel very humble. I feel humbled and grateful um, to be um. And that the other thing is, is that I always leave with a greater understanding and knowledge of how guided and supported we all are all the time. Uh -huh. My brain will still sometimes revert to feeling like alone and abandoned and, you know, frightened and all those things in the world. But like working with other people reminds me uh -huh. surrounded by so much guidance. So we all are. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that struck me about your um, your channel and the readings you do every day on Instagram at Druid Rising at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time is the way that you put the rosary with the readings. So do you want to say more about that and like the decision to the process and all of that good stuff? Yeah. So back around Solon uh, and All Souls Day, I thought, well, you know what, let me do a prayer practice for a week around the departed. Oh. Yeah, so I have this um, list of people. So people submitted their loved ones' names. Robert's like, show her me, there's Robert. Um, he is so funny. Oh. Um, so I started and I thought, well, I need like a, a structure. And I was raised Irish Catholic. Um, and this great book called The Way of the Rose by Clark Strand and Perdita Finn. The subtitle is something like The Radical Path of the Divine Feminine Embedded in the Rosary. Oh, my gosh. Clark Strand was a Buddhist monk. Okay. Perdita Finn was raised by atheists. So these were not Catholic people. And okay. They were drawn to the rosary and to Our Lady. Yes. So Mother Mary is an ascended master. She's our universal divine mother, right? So she's available to everyone. Yes. Which she has said this in every visitation she's ever done. And she says it all the time, pray the rosary. But, you know, if you're not Catholic, it feels... Like a strange invitation. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, <laughs> they do all this research. So, like, this is shaped like a woman's symbol. I was a women's studies major at a Catholic college, and I never noticed. Woman's symbol. Moreover, these kinds of beads, there are iterations of them that go back to prayers for the goddess. So, you're wearing an ankh. And... There are versions of this with an ankh. No, this isn't an ankh. This is a Lemurian cross that I thought was an ankh when I went to Woodstock, where I got this from. And so I was like, bring on that light. Well, thank you. I stand corrected. I was corrected too. Sophia was like, oh, do you want one? I was like, no, it's an ankh. I was like, mm, no. <laughs> and then the girl, the girl. <laughs> The girl, was like, the girl who owned the place was like, actually, that's a Lemurian cross. I was like, 
Maybe you're, are you a Lemurian being? Maybe you are. I probably, yeah, I, I, yeah, probably. I'm claiming it. Uh, so anyway, I went home. Like, so anyway. Yes, so, go ahead. And, and what they discovered was that the, the prayers to the goddess, like people would make a crown for our lady, well, for the goddess, the mother earth, and they would pray and weave these roses together. And then, so instead, they put beads because you know, they didn't always have flowers. Sure. And, um, so they were doing this for since the dawn of time. And then the church came along and was like, no goddess. And the people were like, whatever. And they still kept praying. Oh. And then the church said, like, we'll throw you a bone and we'll give you, but she's a virgin, which... By the way, like virgin goddess giving birth to the son of God, I'm sorry for everybody who doesn't know this, is that doesn't start with Mary and Jesus. Like we all know, right? Like the Egyptians got there first. Like we know, if you don't know, you can look it up. Isis gave birth to her son. Yeah. Pictures of like a lady with a top. Okay. Anyway, we, we yes, that's right, Catherine. Let them know. We all know that Mary Magdalene wasn't a prostitute either, right? We all know that Pope Gregory made that up in a sermon in the year 33. Okay, and the church apologized for it, but no one got the memo. Okay. <laughs> he was a women's studies major. Come through, come through. Let's okay. No. Okay. So I just start, I think like I need a structure. Okay. These are my grandfather's rosary beads. I'm gonna okay. do, I do this, these prayers for a week. Now, why I thought that it was, I didn't think that all of these dead people wouldn't come through. I don't know what I thought. Oh. But they all started showing up, including Robert. So I'm doing the prayers and like all these dead people are talking. So then at the end of the week, I think I'm just going to do it for a week or whatever it was. And Mother Mary came through and said, please continue. And I had one of those moments, Zoe, where I said, like, uh-oh, you know that feeling when spirit says to do something and you just know, you just know it's going to be sort of life-changing? I just knew. So I said, okay. And I just, and now... We get all kinds of stuff. So again, Mary is a universal mother. She's everybody's holy mother. Mm -hmm. She says everyone should pray the rosary and can pray the rosary. But we have people who join, who just meditate along. We have people who pray along. We have people who cook or drive and listen. So I mean, it's really just an opportunity to um, you know, tune in in a really high vibe way. And we're, we've been getting a lot. I don't do any preparation before I do it because I want to be as sort of clear and no preconceived notions of what's going on. We've been getting some unbelievable guidance. Yeah. And it feels really important at this time. Yeah. The collective has a lot of stuff coming up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a transmission. It's a, it's a, it's a really neat, and I didn't think about it like that before, but that you're doing this, um, in some of my practices, we do, um, ancestor veneration where we lift our ancestors up and things like that. But we also do ancestor sort of helping them to go on, you know, we do a lot of that in one of the collectives I'm a part of. And so, when you're talking about they started showing up, I just wonder about the release that you're giving them as well as us that you're giving messages to, you know? Yeah, well, some of it has been a matter of releasing or yeah. helping people stand on their own feet. So yeah. But there's also an opportunity to let them be of service to us where, you know, they either had a certain learning yeah. in life that they can now impart back to us or maybe something that they wish they had done better that they can now do. Mm -hmm. um, so it really is very much a dialogue. 
So what I, I actually, I have um, a guest that's going to be coming on. She's a death doula. I'm so excited to talk with her. Is like essential, essential. Yeah, we're we're working on a project together, and she just told me last week that she's a death doula. She's like, death is my jam. I was like, oh my god, you have to be on the show. So I'm so excited to talk to her. Yeah, I'm excited too. So my question for you is, what's like the biggest lesson you've learned from the dead? Well, I'll tell you. So my best friend, Alpana, she died a number of years ago, back in 2010. Mm. Um, mm -hmm. So when she died, she came through to me and said, and I think this is very important information for all of us, dying was the easy part. She said it was life on earth that was so hard. And she said, so here's what's going to happen. I'm going to stick around for a little while. Like a lot of times they stick around until there's a service or funeral or something. Yep. You stick around for a while, but then I have to go and sort out everything that just happened to me here. She said, we can still be in communication, um, but you have to get used to communicating to me, not via email or text or phone. So I, I feel like the guidance that I get is always really, really, really practical. And I feel like that is important information. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. It's just a different mode of communicating. Wow. I get that. Yeah. yeah. I get so it. That's really yeah. practical. That's, that's what, that's what I feel like we need to know. Um, they've told me yeah. that no one dies alone. It doesn't matter if there were other physical people around, like no one dies alone. They've told me that. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I'm very clear that there's no, there's no such thing as hell. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. I'm clear on that. Mm -hmm. uh, that doesn't mean that there isn't opportunity for healing and redemption and reconciliation work. Mm -hmm done uh -huh. about accountability and so um yeah and the soul's journey continues uh -huh. very clear on that uh -huh. Uh -huh. um i have only had one i've worked with one medium when i lived in florida and um my father came through that time and then he came through with you so um but, but at first he was very nervous to come through, you know, he's like, what is this? My daughter was into, you know, this was a long time ago. Now I'm sure they're like, you stop my shenanigans, but he was like off in the corner. Like my grandmother had come through and, um, he was like very skeptical. But then when he did come through, he was like, he was surprised that he didn't go to hell. <laughs> he was like, <laughs> he also said, because his funeral was like, literally it was standing room only. And um, he said, he described the funeral. And he said, if he had known how popular he was, he would have borrowed more money from people when he was alive. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Personality. Yeah. Sense of humor. If somebody's shy, if somebody's, you know, like Robert is really charming. Yes. You know, um, you, you still can get a feeling for what they're like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that, that, that hell piece I thought was funny. Like, oh, he was like surprised. He's like, oh, okay. I thought I was, I, did, I thought I was going somewhere else. I wasn't quite sure where I was gonna. What I will say is that when I've encountered um, some spirits who thought that about themselves in life and they thought for sure I'm going to hell or they just had a fear of things, sometimes um, there still can be a reluctance to do their work. Because it's, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't mean that you don't have to deal with everything that you've done. Yeah. It's, just, it's not the way that we're taught, I guess. Yeah. Way to say it. And yeah. So there still can kind of be that reluctance. Yeah. To 
know, and so praying for people on the other side really helps them um, find that willingness to get into that, you know, flow with the right team of people who's going to, team of guides who's going to take them to a perfect classroom. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. they require um, so it does help them a lot great so uh, I just have a couple of more questions you've given so much energy already and um, my my other question for you is around your legacy and what would you want your legacy to be I was thinking you had said that you might ask that question I was thinking about it and here's what came to mind is one thing that my partner always says about me is that I'm he's never met somebody who's more afraid of more things but more willing to do them anyway. Yes, I love like, that. Is my epitaph gonna be like afraid, did it anyway? You know, I mean it's just for me it comes to like the shadow work that I've been through coming coming up out of trauma and abuse and degradation and the ways in my 20s that I acted that I acted out. I was damaging to myself and to other people because mm -hmm. I just was like, this friend of mine used to say, the big, two biggest lies are I'm okay and everything's fine. Mm -hmm. And I was really committed to those lies, like look perfect on the outside, smash everything down on the inside and like don't let anybody know. And that doesn't work for that long. So becoming fully authentic and integrated means it, it includes this journey of being more public about, you know, being intuitive. Um, and so, you know, being authentic takes a degree of, you know, courage, I guess, to, to really use your voice and then take action Joan of Arc being very clear. This is who I am. No, no, doesn't matter what you say that I am. Um, so I think that's the one that accrues to me. Um, mm -hmm. But I will say, you know, working with with Toby that time, I had this funny sense of like, what if my whole twenty years up until then of this career was solely designed so that I would intersect with this one person at that one important time in his life. <coughs> I realized that that would have been good enough for me. Like that, yeah. of a career just to be prepared yeah. to meet this guy. Yeah. In the moment of his transition, I was like, yeah, that feels important. Yeah. So I want to be that kind of person to other people. I love that. And I, and I love that thing. We tell ourselves everything is fine and everything is okay. Makes me feel like the 10 of swords where it's the end of a cycle. Yeah. And there's actually a deck that I have and it says everything is fine for the 10 of swords. And so, <laughs> So for you to have this, um, leaving this legacy of being afraid and doing it anyway is the Joan of Arc walk. I mean, it's the liberation walk that you're talking about. Um, I love that. And so how can people find you? And, you know, if people were wanting a certain kind of reading from you, what would they need to do? Yeah, so it's druidrising.com. And on social media, I'm at druidrising. Um, Probably the easiest thing to do is um, on my website, there's a link to just, you can book a free introductory call. So if you're like, I don't know, I'm new to this, what do I need? Just a 30 minute call is kind of a great way to do it. But I do one-on-one um, -on -one sessions. I do Akashic Record reading. So that's the Book of Life. That's particularly great if you have a specific question. Um, and I do distance Reiki as well. Um, I also do group sessions. I do training, intuitive development training, for example. Um, I do group readings. Um, what else do I have coming up? Oh, yeah, more coming up. Coming up, that's a clearing session. So, you know, a deep, deep 
energetic clearing. So that's that's another kind of thing that I'll do. What what's the date <clears throat> for that? Of the clearing? Twentieth. Uh -huh. Okay. And folks can register either on your website or Yep, all on the website. So um, I have a free meet your guide session this week on the 16th. Um, so that's an hour long session to learn how to tune in and that's free. On um, the 20th, I have um, the deep, I'm calling it spring cleaning. <laughs> so that clears your space and also your field. We do some clearing of the lineage um, and some setting of light. And there's usually some degree of um, readings in there depending on who comes in and i have a group reading small group reading happening on the 23rd okay of so march on the website if you put in your, your I send out a newsletter once a month and that i include a channeled message from an ascended master each month and some other info and also early announcement of what's coming that month and you get a discount code as well all right, you have a lot going on. I am going to sign up for the newsletter when we get off this call. Thank you so much. And I have to say your full name. It's like one of those names where you, you, you have to say Catherine Mullen. You have to say the whole name. So, yes, and Zoe Flowers, you are bringing big magic to all of us. I'm so grateful for you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And we're gonna just affirm that this message just goes out and out and out and out and reaches all the people who need it and even the people who think they don't. <laughs> thank you, Catherine Mulligan. Thank you, listeners. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next time. Okay. Bye.